Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, or evening, depending on where you are, and welcome to Hope for Today. We thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry. And our hope today and prayer for you today, our listening audience, is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, and prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime. And you can reach us through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Today I have in my studio, I'm Naja Brown, your host, as you know. Today I have in my studio Mr. Josias Jean-Pierre. I want to tell you a little bit about him, and then we're going to get an opportunity to hear from him directly. He is an actor, entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, a poet, and a firm believer in Jesus Christ. He is the CEO of Restoring Generations that has changed many lives throughout the country. He has been recognized and awarded several times for his work in communities and in schools. Mr. Jean-Pierre has a heart for education and loves helping people be the best they can be. So with that, I'm going to say welcome Josias, and would you like to say hello to our listening audience? Hello, how y'all doing? <laughs> I'm excited that you're on board here with us, and uh, I remember the first time I met you, you walked over and you had this big smile, and you were telling me about your book. And so today's podcast is entitled, The Power of Your Words Can Make or Break You, and that's a spinoff from the title of your book, which is The Power of Your Words. So you recently published, and your book is in circulation. Can you tell us where we might be able to obtain this book? Yes, you can go to Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, um, eBay, but all all online books bookstores. You can get it online. Okay. All right. Very good. So I had the opportunity to read your book, and each chapter specifically speaks to personal life experiences, and I really enjoyed reading and learning more about you. And the chapters, though, however, to me, spoke volumes. So I'm going to just run through the chapters of each of the verses and let the listening audience have a sneak preview to the book that eventually they will probably go out and purchase. Chapter 1 is called It Starts With You. Chapter 2 is Know Your Worth. Three Affirmations. Four, the impossible versus the possible. And chapter five is our words create our world. So, Josias, can you tell us how long this project was in the works for you and what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, well, definitely. This project's been in the works for the last three years. Um, It got published back on February 2015. Um, Basically what happened was as a young child, I was diagnosed with epilepsy, and I was in special ed, and I had an IEP. And from K to 12, I had folks in my life, schools, teachers, 
peers around me tell me to give up and drop out. I won't amount to anything. I had doctors telling me that I will never become seizure-free, that for the rest of my life I'm going to have epilepsy. But even through all that, I always spoke life. You know, life and death is in the power of the tongue, and you have the choice to choose what you're going to speak over your life because the words we speak are just prophecies for the next day. And we've got to be careful to what we speak over our life because it could plant something good or bad out of our lives. So even when everybody else was speaking garbage negativity, I always spoke life over my life. And I always made sure what I spoke over my life is always positive because it could hinder the breakthrough that we might need in life. And I remember this so much that I was a young kid, and the first 13 years of my life, I was in and out of the hospital bed because of epilepsy. I was in the hospital more times than I was at home. But even through those moments, I always spoke life. I always spoke breakthrough. I always spoke being victorious. I had a mindset of overcoming what I, whatever I go through in life. And 2006 was the last epilepsy I ever had in my life. And while I was in the hospital bed doing the EKG, the doctor looked at my mother and I and said, well, sorry, if you want your son to be seizure-free, he has to go to some surgery. I looked at my mother. I looked around, my, around me. I said, nope, it's not happening. If it's God's will for me, then I'll have seizures. But if it's not God's will for me, then I'm going to be seizure-free. And much down the road again, uh, I had a seizure down the road out in uh, Renton. I came up a restaurant, and I had to do another checkup. While I was in the hospital bed, do another EKG test and put these wires on my head, I heard a loud voice so clear saying, you are delivered. It was so loud as if you were talking right next to me, Daja. It was that loud. Nobody really? heard it besides me. And I woke up from the hospital bed. I was in the eighth grade. I woke up from the hospital bed, believed by faith that the voice I heard was God. Uh-huh. Ever since then, I went home. I took those medications the doctors gave me. I threw it all in the trash. I never took once again. And on October 16th of 2006, I went home, took those, took those medications, threw it all in the trash. And after that day, I never had another seizure. Wow, that is that's... some story. So we, uh, we've we got a caller who joined us. Uh, did the caller want to identify him or herself? Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment, you know, about words and how powerful they are. Yes. You know, I've seen it so many times in my life, uh, you know, that when you speak words, you know, how they can build somebody up or tear them down. But then also the effects that when you when you make comments about people, that it kind of boomerangs back at you. You know what I mean? Like if you make fun of people that later on in life, that it becomes you, if that makes any sense to you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I'm sure that uh, Mr. Yeah. Josiah Jean-Pierre can agree to that, too. Is that correct? Most definitely, yes, it does. And, you, you know, uh, it, uh, it, 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 I, I've just seen that so many times. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've been careful, you know, even with my, my own children and things like that to be, you know, I, as, as my children were growing up, you know, to always – watch my mouth, you know what I mean? And always take that, you know, hold my breath for three seconds, you know, before you always say something, because, you know, those words that you speak last a lifetime. 
You know what I mean? When you say the wrong things out of anger or bitter, you know what I mean? Those, those flash, you know, those quick things that you say to people. And I'm, I'm just, I I love today's subject, you know, and I, I'm just listening. You know what I mean? I I just love today's show. Well, well, thank you. And I actually want to read uh, something from your book, uh, Josias, if that's okay. Uh, And this is in relation to what our caller just brought up. There's a saying that is a warning. This is on page 27 of your book. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. When your character becomes your destiny, it's not always good. And so that is uh, definitely in keeping with what our college has just brought out. And then you also say in your book that you heard as a child, and I heard it as I was growing up also, if you don't have anything to say, if you don't have something good to say about someone, then don't say anything at all. Yes. Most so, okay, th- thank you uh, for your comment, caller. And you're calling from where? I see the, the area code is 334. Where is that? Uh, Alabama. Okay, well, thank you. So, uh, Josias, I want to go back uh, just a bit and ask you, uh, so you you talked about speaking uh, positive words in your own life. You talked about just refuting what the doctors told you. I want to ask you, uh, in, in Chapter 1, you start out using the metaphor that words are like planting seeds, and when you speak negative words, they produce bad fruits, and when you speak positive words, they produce good fruits. And then you make the statement in your book that life is not about how you start. Instead, it's about how you finish. I want to go back uh-huh. in your childhood ways, if you will, and ask you, how did your parents influence your life with the words that they spoke into your life? Well, yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm a PK. My dad is a bishop. We're from Haiti. My dad starts many churches in Haiti. And as a young kid, my dad and my mom, my mother, always taught us, how to speak uh, and to make sure what we're speaking is always positive. And I remember being a young child that every time when we say something negative and not true, he'll tell us to erase those words out of our lives. Uh-huh. And how he does that, he says, what is it that people told you today? And write it down on a piece of paper. And uh-huh. on the other side of the paper, write down what is it that you believe about those words that people have been telling you today? And do you believe it by yourself? And then He'll say, and from there we'll say yes or no. Then he goes, if you don't believe those about yourself, make sure the next time somebody says it to you, you don't accept it. You reject it. Absolutely. And so that played out in your life regarding your seizures. And you've been seizure-free now for how many years? About 11 years? Years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. So so you mentioned that you're from Haiti. I wanted to start out in the beginning asking you what the the history of your name is and if there's a significance in your family of origin. So is is that a family name or? Oh, well, so Josiah means king. So in 2 Kings in the Bible, you'll see Josiah was a king at the age of eight. Um, and since I'm a PK, a preacher's kid, my father named all his sons and all biblical names. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Very good. I remember saying that to you when you introduced yourself to me. Do you remember that? I said, I love that I name. 
And let's just let our listening audience know that you and I worship at the same place, Church by the Side of the Road in Tuckwillow, Washington. And we're broadcasting from um, Seattle, Washington. So for our listening audience who ends up being all over the world, that's why I said good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time it is for you. So I have a question for you. You mentioned uh, your, your, your brother. Uh, there was a time when you talked about in your book um, coming home um, from school and making some sort of an announcement that you wanted to be an inspirational speaker. And uh, your brother doubted you and maybe even discouraged you a bit. And then you mentioned also that you were a stutterer. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So English is my second language. I didn't learn how to speak English till the fourth grade. But ever since I was a young kid, I always talked fast and I always stuttered. And I always, you know, at one time I came to my brother, I was like, you know what, I'm going to become a speaker. I'm going to travel and speak at national conferences. I'm going to go to schools and education and speak about being the voice of my generation. And he didn't believe it because, first of all, I had seizures, I was in special ed, I had an IEP, and I stuttered. So what he seen was limitations, but he didn't see the greatness beyond the limitations. Uh-huh. So even when he seen what could be a roadblock, I didn't use a roadblock as a way for it to be an excuse. I used a roadblock as a way for me to step into the next level of my life. Um, so from there on, what happened was, it wasn't until I would say like sophomore junior year where I really stopped stuttering. Uh-huh. Where I stopped stuttering and I pronounced every word clearly. But it wasn't yeah. until that was done that I seen God open a door for me to speak at a national conference in Kansas City, Missouri, which in this conference is called OSHA, which is which is called American School Health Association. Uh-huh. And I was the keynote at the age of seventeen. Speak to educators, doctors, lawyers, nurses, um, in that platform. Wow, wow, that is that is something. So you knew in your heart of hearts that that's what you wanted to do, and you believed that God was going to make a way. You might have heard some people try to plant the not so good or the negative seeds in your in your mind that this was not going to happen, but you pressed on and kept your eye on yes. the prize, and that is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Keynote speaker at age 17. Wow. So where are some of the other places that you've been able to, to, to share with others and, uh, you know, share your spoken words with others? Um, throughout King County, throughout Washington State, I've been to Oregon, Canada. Um, next month I'll be in Vegas. Um, so just a lot of Northwest and Canada. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back. So hold tight and grab a sip of water or a sip of coffee, and we'll be right back. Okay, well, welcome back. So, Mr. Jean-Pierre from Haiti, inspirational speaker, poet, entrepreneur, 
In your book, you stress the importance of never quit training and that you have to make sure that we need to make sure, everyone needs to make sure that we are trained, coached, and mentored. So what sort of training, coaching, and mentoring have you received to get where you are today? And I know you spoke of your your father as a as a bishop, and so you referenced yourself as a PK. So I know you received a lot of home training. But what other mentors or coaches or training did you receive to help you get where you are today? Uh, a lot of self-development training. Uh, a lot of those trainings. So I have a mentor right now who is actually a speaker. So when I was a young kid, I was connected with other people who were already in the field that I wanted to do. So my mentor has been mentoring me for 15 years now on this uh-huh. industry of speaking. So I was able to sit under him, see how he networked with people, see how he delivered his messages, see how he connected with the audience before I got to that platform. So I was ready before I got ready. So before I was asked to come and speak in any audience, any platform, I was ready, ready to do it and prepare for it because I've seen my mentors doing it already. I see. Now let me ask you this. You mentioned a mentor in your book who came alongside you and made mention to the trashy music you were listening to at the time and I believe you said that at age 14 you started changing the music that you listened to so can you tell us a little bit more about that is that the same mentor that you have now yes that's the same mentor Um, mentor. and so how did you give up all of the the music that you were listening to that was the norm for uh, young you know teenagers that you're at that age at age 14 so talk a little bit about that for us yeah, most definitely. So what happened was he had been in my life since I was a freshman, but since eighth grade, I always wrote down on paper what I want to be. And I've been praying to God for so long because in the K-12 system, especially in Seattle, you don't see anybody of color who could be teaching kids. You know, you have 26% of the teachers in the school districts are all white. And so I wasn't uh-huh. connected with anybody in the K-12 system. So in the eighth grade, I said, you know what? I need to know what I want to become. I need to know what I want to do. I need to know how, how much I want to have a drive. So I've been writing on paper what I want to become, and I've been praying for a good six months for God to send me somebody my way who, who looks like me, who could empower me, push me for the best, even though I was in my worst. So on January of 07, Rashad Norris, my mentor, came, and I'm in the, I'm in the car with him. This is some music. And he goes, play uh-huh. the music you want to play. So I turned up DMX, Tupac, Biggie, and other artists. And he says, please tell me why this was your music. And my answer was because I love the beat and I could bounce to the beat. But he said, uh-huh. well, listen to the words you're speaking. Listen to the words you're making personal over your life. So then I said, well, nothing wrong with the words. So what he did was he Stop the beat and just played the message, the lyrics, the words being said. Uh-huh. And he said, well, listen, when you say I or make it personal for you, you're planting seeds already in your life because you're making the song personal. And he went further and told me, if you're not careful 
with the song that you're listening to, with the song that you're downloading into your life, you'll find yourself walking into those messages every single day. So uh-huh. what is it that you want to do? And then I asked him, well, you got to show me how this got to be done. So he went forth and he goes, well, listen to this music and listen to this music. Which one do you like more? So after listening to some more Spirit 105.3 and you know, Cray and all these Christian rap artists and these gospel artists, I was like, man, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. This is nice. And he goes, <laughs> well, start, start singing these songs for a good 30 days every single day and see how your life will end up. So I started singing these gospel songs and these, you know, worship music, like from Jesus Culture and Chris Tomlin and, and all the different artists, and I started seeing myself brighter more and shining brighter. I had a different ah. confidence in me, a different built in me. And I started realizing the folks around me didn't appreciate me. So they uh-huh. left, and the folks that, w- that was supposed to be in my circle from the, from the day one started coming into my circle. But it wasn't until I changed the message of what I was downloading to my life that God could have moved in a way that I never thought he could move before. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Wow, that's uh, that's phenomenal. That that really stood out for me because I know that, you know, kids don't realize, young adults, teenagers don't realize, and, and maybe some even adults that are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and above don't realize that yeah. what you take yeah. in has to come out, and that goes back to you starting off in Chapter 1, words are like planting seeds, this metaphor you use. When we speak negative words, exactly. they produce bad fruits, and when we speak positive words, they produce good fruits. And well, so that... that, like uh, that, that, that go ahead. It's like Luke 12, 34. You know, Luke 12, 34 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes. Yes. And you brought up another passage. You have lots of scripture in your book, and I love that also, Josiah. Uh, and and there's one that stood out for me. You referenced Proverbs 18:20 and 21, but I'm going to read 18:21, and it says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit." And so that uh, that is so powerful. And then we also know in in James, in the book of James, in chapter one, verse 26, it talks sends a strong message about the unbridled tongue. So we really do need to watch what we say and how we say it and choose our words carefully. In your book, you quote Martin Luther King, and the, the quote is, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. So how would you sum up your walk of faith? To some of my walk of faith, I will say that faith is believing it's going to happen before you even see it. And I got to where I'm at today because I had a belief that it's going to become possible even if I didn't see it. Because if you see it, a lot of times what happens is people have to see it to believe it. But True faith happens where we say, you know what, we're going to believe it, that it's going to come to pass, believe it's going to happen, believe that we're going to see it. And from there, when we have a firm belief first, then that's where everything else will come in place. And that's what I think that's what my whole life was about. 
I believed it in the moment so uh-huh. firm that even if I didn't see it yet, I know I was going to see it eventually. Yes, yes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen, Hebrews 11 and uh-huh. 1. So so true. Yes, yes. Well, I have a question for you. I hope you have some poetry or some spoken words that you'd like to share with our audience. We're almost near the end of our uh, broadcast today, but I want to give you an opportunity to share something, a, a, a poetry piece or, or a spoken words piece, anything that you might have. Do you have something ready for us? I surely do. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So this poem is called Being a Christian. I shared it last week at a church conference. Uh, Being a Christian does not mean you have it all together. We are just broken people in need of God to put us back together. Being a Christian does not mean to live the old Jew, because God took us out of darkness, put us into light. He didn't have to, but that's just a taste of how much he loves you. Being a Christian does not mean you live the same lifestyle. Want to call on God on a Sunday, but Monday to Saturday, you get bucking wild, saying, God, I love you, as his life we live in was God's lifestyle. When in the beginning, he called us to be set apart. How can this world of God love if the gospel we proclaim we have? People never see the change in us or notice that we even start. Being a Christian is more than singing songs. It is about loving God, loving people, even when your enemies and haters try to do you wrong. It's about showing love to the world that they have never experienced. Because of the life and love of Christ, someone in the world forgets some deliverance. To being a Christian does not mean you put on a fake look. Wanting to be holy rolls on a Sunday, but don't you ever forget that God even sees what you write on your Facebook. The way we walk with God has been the laziest. Some of us live tied to 1 of 16, or we confess low with our mouth, but our lifestyle is atheist. And you know what hurts? There's a generation out there that's trying to know and experience God's love, but some of us is playing church as the craziest. We Christians are professionals putting a fake look on, giving us fake praise, knowing that we're truly weak. But we don't want to show, so we let the congregation see a fake worship that seems to look strong. And what you've got to understand is we, the people of the church, and this place is just a building. But did you ever say and ask yourself what being a Christian truly means? The Bible says we're not in the world, but we're, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of it. But we do the same thing after we repent, and we wonder why the world can't see, but we're naturally different. We share our way through with different kind of stuffing, but have the audacity to say we're a Christian after spending hours cursing, clubbing, and ATC, then our son is saying, God, it's you that I'm loving. Hell is just one step away. If you're in for Christ, you're with him the whole way. Because it's not Christian life to confess you believe in Jesus but have one foot in the devil's grave. That's beautiful. Very, very well spoken, very well said. Um, Just just wonderful, and I do thank you very much. Well, do you have anything you'd like to say to the audience before we wrap this up? Uh, I have enjoyed you so much being in the studio with us today, and I look forward to uh, new work from coming from you, an opportunity to hear more poetry, and uh, anything else that God is going to use you 
to to share his word and to touch the lives of of everybody. So, what would, is there anything that you'd like to say uh, in closing? If you are going through the storm, if you're in what you're going in, don't give up. Speak life. Because what you're in is not supposed to break you. It's supposed to build you. And I always say this. A giant, if we look at David and Goliath's story, we see that David was not trained, was never ready for battle. He never had no fight against end. But Goliath, he was a champion, undefeated. Nobody could not beat him. But if we look at the oh. David and Goliath story, one thing we will see is David had hope in God, and Goliath had hope in himself. David won the battle because it wasn't David fighting. It was God fighting David's battle. So if you're going yeah. through what you're going through, understand that it is God who's going to fight your battle. It is God who's going to move in the midst of what you're going through. And your giant that you're going through is always going to be there to build you, strengthen you, make you smarter, and make an impact to somebody else. Amen. 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 So our words can either build up or tear down. So good seed or bad seed, speak love or hate, victory or defeat, blessing or bitterness. So it's necessary for us to speak wholesomely, affirming our worth in Christ according to all he has promised in the word of God. We owe it to God and ourselves to let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in his sight. And I just want to read that passage again in Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to thank you for joining us today. Hope for today. We podcast every other week. We look forward to you joining us again soon. Josias, thank you for joining us in the studio. And I want to thank say God me. bless you. Thank you. You too.